Matthew 13, Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, Luke 13, Luke 13. Matthew 13, Mark 4, Luke 13. So we'll read first from Matthew 13, verse 31. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs, and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Another parable spake he unto them, The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till the whole was leavened. Mark chapter 4, verses 30 and 32. And he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is grown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all herbs, and shooteth out great branches, so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. In Luke chapter 13 verses 18 and 19. Then he said, then said he, unto what is the kingdom of God like? And whereunto shall I resemble it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and cast into his garden, and it grew and waxed a great tree, and the fowls of the air lodged in the branches of it. In verse 20, and again he said, whereunto shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till the whole was leaven. May the Lord add the blessings to the reading of his word, and everyone said, Amen. Just for a, a, a little bit here this morning, I'm going to uh, talk on the mustard seed and the leaven, the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the leaven. Amen. So, uh, first off, the mustard seed. Interestingly enough, Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed. You know, I like the way that Mark puts it. With what comparison do we compare the kingdom of heaven to? A mustard seed. Luke says, what does heaven resemble? A mustard seed. Really interesting statement that Jesus is making here in reference to the kingdom of heaven. You know, th this is truly a mystery, or, or is it not? Um, the mustard seed is the smallest of the garden seeds planted in Palestine. But yet we're told that in the land, this mustard seed grows to be the largest of the garden plants, getting sometimes to the size of 10 or 15 feet and spreading its foliage out so the birds can actually build their nests in it. If you get online, you can see how small they are. It's not the smallest seed on the planet. You know, there's, I think a carrot seed is, is even smaller or maybe a, a uh, sesame seed, you know, there, there's, there. but in, in that region, you know, the mustard seed would have been a, the smallest at that time. It is important to note that the Greek word dendron is what Jesus used for the word tree. 
which can be translated as either a tree or a just a big bush. Most people would agree that it 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 carries that that description of just being a big bush that that uh, just grows and just is 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 massive in size. But let's let's look at the details of this parable. Jesus simply implies that the sower is none other than himself, a man that sowed in his field, is what Matthew says. Mark says the seed was sown in the earth. Luke says the seed was sown in a garden. And then secondly, we have the birds, the fowls. Now, this is an extremely controversial detail in this parable, the interpretation of the birds. And, uh, you know, I've read a lot on this, and uh, there are a great number of scholars that believe this is referencing the emissaries of Satan. I mean, there's so many of them. I spent hours and hours uh, looking into this. And the the reason why most of them, or a good portion of them, say that um, this is alluding to the, the, the works of the devil. If you remember in our first parable, uh, Jesus, uh, the sower and the seed, and the seed went out, and in Matthew, I believe it is, he says, and the wicked one came and plucked up the seeds. Mark says it was the devil, and Luke, I think, says it was Satan. And so, you know, that, that's, that's where they draw this. You know, the fowls came, the, the, uh, it was the parable, and then when Jesus gave the interpretation, he says the fowls were the wicked one, Satan, and the devil. And so naturally, they, they jump on the bandwagon, and they bring that into this parable, and they say, well, it's got to be referencing the devil and his cohorts, cohorts as well that go into this uh, tree and, and find a place to seed. However, without doing any harm or uh, to the intent or the spirit of Scripture, I want to disagree with what most scholars interpret this mustard seed as, uh, or these fowls uh, in this uh, narrative of the mustard seed. I, I just don't agree with that. I believe that Jesus is simply making a positive statement about the growth of this mustard seed and its benefits where it's planted. That's what I, that's what I believe. The first parable is about outward growth. Birds from the outside fly into it and simply become a part of the tree. Now, I did read a a few places where some scholars believe that these birds represent the Gentiles, you and me, coming in to the bush, you know, coming in and getting our, our sustenance and so on, you know, so that we can also be a part of the family of God, or as the, uh, the context is the kingdom of, of, uh, of God. Um, uh, I see this tree as a place where birds can perch. Uh, this, you know, th- there's nothing negative about what, it, what is being said here when Jesus uh, is, is giving this parable. I mean, it, I, I really believe that if he said in the first parable, it was like the wicked one, he would have said that in the second one but, or in the third one, but he doesn't do that. He just simply doesn't do that at all. He says, and the birds came and nested in it. And I, I, I just take it at face value. You know, of course, I, I should probably have Eugene get up here and give a, a little, uh, uh, you know, talk on what benefit birds can have when they go into a tree. You know, from what I think of, you know, I, they, they go in and they build a little nest, you know, and they, 
and they they have their you know their 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 they lay their eggs and so on and and uh, you know now this is just what I came up with Eugene so you can help me out here buddy and uh, you know what, what else I see there is you know they can go into a tree they can get out of the hot sun you know maybe if it's been raining really hard like we had torrential downpours you know here of late and you know they can go into some of these these trees where uh, you know especially a a, a bush you know. Uh, we have those evergreen bushes in front of our house, and I and they'll burrow a hole through them branches and or through those leaves, and they'll go in there and they'll build a nest. And it's got to be watertight. I mean, they go in there and and uh, you know they just find a a place of refuge, place of shelter, and so on. Also, what came into my mind is, you know, what what type of insect would would be on a mustard. Uh, 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 bush, you know, maybe they go into these and they look, look around, you know, and they see inside insects or worms or whatever, you know, might be in that type of, uh, geographical location in that type of bush, you know, so they look for food and things like that. You know, that's, that's what I, uh, that's what I look at when I, when I see this parable, you know, comfort, they just went in there and might want, wanted to chillax a little bit, you know, and just, just rest or, or sing, you know, they can just go in there and rest and sing and tweet and tweet, you know, and do whatever they, whatever they do, you know, and so on. Once again, Eugene probably should have uh, took this section of the message, but, um, you know, when I see this, and once again, I'm going against the grain of most uh, people that interpret this here. Uh, I, I just see it as something very beneficial. But yet, he says, and the kingdom of heaven is like unto a mustard seed. And I just don't see Jesus saying the kingdom of heaven is like an unto a mustard seed and then goes negative and the fowls came into it and and polluted it. And I don't see that, but you'd be surprised how many people look at it that way. I, I, I don't see heaven as a place that's corrupt or tainted or anything like that. I, I see it as a place where, with all these characteristics that I just mentioned to you. Well, let, let, let's bring it, this into a little spiritual application here. You know, things uh, that are special have the most impact, that have the most impact, are the things that have small beginnings. In Zechariah 4.10, the kingdom of heaven is, is uh, or it says, despise not small beginnings. That's what uh, Zerubbabel says, or Zechariah says uh, in uh, Zechariah 4.10. And it was referencing Zerubbabel when he was getting ready to build the temple. They said, just get on with it. You know, you got to start somewhere, you know, take the first step and, and, and so on. And that's what Jesus says. The kingdom of heaven is like, it's small when it started out. It was small in its conception. For those who heard Jesus's mustard seed message, it would have been easy to understand. He told them that although God's kingdom may have started from small beginnings, it would have the most powerful outcome of anything that has ever transformed our planet. God took a small family and built an ark to be preserved from the coming flood. You know, I, I, one of my favorite characters in the Bible is Jacob, you know, and, and the story of, of Joseph. You know, Jacob, and the Bible says that during the time of famine when Joseph was the premier of Egypt, the, the prime minister, but there was famine in the land. And, and so they went and they, they got Jacob. And the Bible says that 70 of them came 
came and, and went into the land of Goshen. And after 430 years, that 70 in the family of Jacob became two to three million people. Two to three million people. God used a man named Moses who lived in the wilderness to lead those two to three million people out of slavery. Just one man. God used a young boy with a sling uh, uh, who, who, who casted and, and defeated Goliath. God used a little baby boy that was born in a stable to save the entire world if the world would come unto him. Jesus took a boy's small lunch and used it to miraculously feed thousands of people, five fishes and two loaves. Jesus was just one man, just one man, but yet he was totally rejected by his own people. We've been learning that in John chapter 1. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. He was totally rejected by his own people. He took on a small band of men. They weren't eloquent men. They weren't men of, of, with, with degrees. They weren't men from university. But he took on 12 rough men. They were men. I mean, let me just say this. They, they weren't the long-haired, freaky people that you see in a lot of films. They were men. I mean, these were men. And, uh, I mean, they knew how to work. They knew how to labor. They, they, they were fishermen. You know, they, 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 they came from all uh, different kinds of walks of life and so on. But he took those 12 men, and some of them, after the fact, they became martyrs. I, I, you know, I, I believe it was all of them except one became a martyr. And that, that was John, the, 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 the revelator, that died on the island of Patmos. But they all died, you know, for, for the, the, the cause of Christ. But, but, but now listen to this. This is just kind of the way my mind works. You take just one drop of his precious blood, one drop of his blood can wash away years of a sin-stained life in a man or a woman. Just one little drop, one little small drop washed away 24 years of my life. Glory be to God. Amen. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. <laughs> oh, glory be to God. L -l -l Let me just move on here a little bit. Hudson Taylor in the 19th century by himself went into China trying to evangelize. He was, a, he was a, an explorer, a, a Christian explorer. He went into, went into China in the, in the 19th century and and, uh, and, you know, what, what good come, could have come out of a, a one man in such a, 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 a nation that had so many people? But today, today, in 2023, in communist China, the largest Christian church is in communist China. Just one little man. Just one little man that had a vision to go into China and so on and, and, and tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Amen. That little, that little seed that was planted is now the greatest uh, underground church on the planet in communist China. Yeah, we have the, the freedom and the liberty to come into a beautiful little church like we have here and without any uh, protest, without any molestation, without, without any reservation, we can come in here uh, whenever we want, as often as we want. But over there, it's all done in secret. It's all, but they're the biggest church on the planet. That's exciting.
when the mustard seed of faith is planted in you at conversion, you are to grow in faith as the years march on. God's kingdom might seem unimpressive at first, but that's only because it doesn't come all at once. Remember, Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. And so we take that little seed that we have within us and we just, in time, we allow, we allow our due diligence to the reading of God's word, to the ministry of the word, to, 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 to prayer and doing everything that, that, that's right, that cultivates and fertilizes that little seed that's in our life. Amen. Then it blossoms and it blossoms. And before you know it, you're having an impact on, on other people's lives and they're coming into your life and, and being drawn into your life, just like the, the birds were drawn into this, this bush of, uh, that was a, once a little mustard seed. I believe that in this parable, Jesus is saying to his disciples and to you and me, don't get discouraged with small beginnings. Everybody's got to start out sometime. Amen. There, there, there's one of my favorite stories, and uh, I, I just love this one. There was a, a man, his name was Telemachus, Telemachus, and he was a holy man that lived in a monastery, and one day this holy man decided that he wanted to go to Rome, and so he went to Rome, and while he was in Rome, as he was coming, he seen people, and, and he saw this huge this huge stadium, um, what, what, did they, what did they call them? Um, Colosseum. He seen this huge Colosseum and he heard all the uproar and the people uh, yelling and chanting inside this Colosseum. And, and, and this, this holy man, he thought, what's going on in there? And he walked in there and there was gladiator games going on. And he noticed that these gladiators were out there in the middle of this field and they were, they were uh, hacking each other and, and, and sawing at each other and stabbing each other. And, and the people were going crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the holy man ran out into the middle of the, of the field, Telemachus. And he said, in the name of God, stop, stop. And people started to stone him. And the gladiators took their swords and they, they thrust him with it. And a silence fell over that Colosseum. And one by one, they marched out of that Colosseum. And there was never, ever another gladiator game. Because of one man, one man that stepped into the middle and made a difference. There was a single man that sought God as a monk in a monastery. This man would beat himself and he would fast trying to find God, trying to understand God. He would, he would go up the, 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 the steps, uh, uh, stone steps on his knees until they would bleed and he would, he would beat himself with, with whips and so on in his little room and, and starve himself just trying to have a relationship with God. And then one day he read the book of Romans. And as he read in the book of Romans that the just shall live by faith. It wasn't about works, but it's about having faith, that mustard seed of faith. And that man, Martin Luther, started the reformation that turned the world upside down for Jesus Christ. Oh, glory be to God. One writer put it this way, and I, I don't know who it was, but I, I, I liked it. The pandemic of our time 
is our addiction to being extraordinary. Thank you. The pandemic of our time is our addiction to being extraordinary. We want the world to know us and remember us. This contagion affects nearly every action and decision for young people and young ministers. If, we're, if we aren't being seen, if we aren't being noticed, what's the point? But Christ says that is precisely the point. Your identity isn't rooted in how big your ministry is or how polished your sermon is or how amazing the activities pan out. Your identity is firmly rooted in Christ and Christ alone who loves the weak and the foolish and the small and the ordinary. And Mike Metzger, whoo, glory be to God. I like that. It doesn't matter how small and insignificant you feel about yourself. An idea must be an idea must find a man willing to be possessed by it. But when it finds such a man, an unstoppable tide begins to flow because this man is obsessed by that idea. You know who that was uh, in reference to? William Wilberforce, a statesman in the British Empire. One day, Wilbur, 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 uh, Wilberforce William Wilberforce, a man named Pitt, I believe it was, said, man, you need to, you need to do something about slavery, the, the world slave trade. And he took that little seed and he nurtured it. And it was because of William Wilberforce that slavery stopped. And how many thousands of people, their lives were spared and so on. Because one man took a little, a little thought that was dumped into him by somebody else and ran with it. Amen. The significant lesson that Jesus teaches about the mustard plant is that a huge, significant plant can come from a small, insignificant beginning, like a tiny seed. And he draws this parallel about the kingdom of God and its greatness. You see, God's kingdom started out small. It just started out with Jesus. Just with Jesus. God told Abraham, he said, your seed will be as the sand of the seashore and, 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 uh, in, and as the stars of the sky innumerable. So let's move into the, the parable of the leaven. In the second parable, it's what I see going from the inside out. The first one, the little seed flourishes, but other things come into it and benefit from it. But the leaven is different, and this is where a lot of people really disagree with, with my thoughts. The leaven works from the inside, from inside the dough. Literally, just a little yeast is enough to work through a large quantity of whole dough. I, I, I you know, it, it says here in Matthew um, 33, and the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven when a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. But now keep in mind, Jesus isn't going negative here. He's saying the kingdom of heaven is likened unto. And so I, I, I did some research and, and a measure. Now they, they say three measures here, but a measure in this context was called a, 
a, a, a satin in the Greek. This is comparative to seven kilos or just over 16 pounds. So that, take, that makes three measures, 21 kilos, or about 50 pounds of flour. You know, that's enough to feed well over 100 people. It's, it's, it's interesting. Jesus doesn't just mince with words. I mean, he, he says things specifically to prove a point. Some people interpret this parable in a negative way. And I can give you good scripture to, to substantiate that. In Matthew 16 and verse 6, Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. It was bad. It was bad. Paul told the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 5, 6 through 7, Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. And so, you know, there's, and that's just two verses. There's a lot said in Scripture about the negativity of, of uh, uh, th th this leaven. But I, I, I personally believe that this yeast is meant as a positive symbol in this parable. Even though there's, there's a lot of scriptures that speak to the, to the opposite, to the contrary. And, you know, once again, leaven is a type of sin in the Bible. The Old Testament is full of leaven and sin, you know, and matter of fact, if, on certain festivals, if you ate leaven, I mean, you, 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 could, be, you could die, literally die. They'd put you to death and so on. Um, the, I mean, it was forbidden to be used in, 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 on, on certain days. But keep in mind that this parable is a twin to the parable of the mustard seed. So always keep things in their context. The mustard seed was something positive. I believe that the leaven here, uh, he says again, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a woman with leaven. That's my paraphrase. Amongst all this negative that I've given you, let me give you a couple scriptures that'll, that'll blow your mind. In Leviticus 23 and 17, Ye shall bring out of your habitation two wave loaves of two-tenth deals. They shall be of fine flour. They shall be bacon with leaven. They are the first fruits unto the Lord. You know what this festival was? It's, it's ironic that today is the day of Pentecost. <laughs> I didn't plan it that way, but it's just the way it is. But for Pentecost, for the celebration of Pentecost, they would eat leaven. Amen. In Amos chapter 4 and verse 5, and offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving, thanksgiving with leaven, and proclaim and publish the, the free offerings for this liketh you, O ye children of Israel, saith the Lord. So Pentecost and, and the thanksgiving offering, they were instructed to partake of leaven have some leaven. So you can't take the, the whole, the, you know, even though the, the, the positive aspects of it in, in Scripture are so small, you can't take all the negativity and erase the small. You can't do that. There is still a good ingredient. I like a little leaven myself and bread, you know, unleavened bread. It's all right, you know, when we have communion and so on, but I like a good loaf of bread, you know, that's fluffy and rolls and things like that. You know, it, it, it's good. Thus, leaven does not have to always mean evil. 
and the meaning needs to be determined once again by the context. Let me just give you another example here. Jesus is referred to as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. That's positive. But the Bible also says the devil is as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You see where I'm, where I'm going with this? You've got to use some common sense here. Amen. You just can't make a blanket statement. And once again, I'm, I'm not doing any harm to the, to, to the text here. The parable of the yeast is very simple. It's an illustration of the kingdom of heaven. A small amount of yeast works its way through the whole batch of the dough. In the same way, God's kingdom remains hidden at first, but it will eventually spread throughout the entire earth. Amen. As Hannah comes to the piano this morning, let me just ask you this. Your mustard seed faith. Jesus said, if you could just have the faith as a mustard seed, you could tell this mountain here, be removed and it would go. That's what he said. He makes it so simple. We could just have that little bit of faith. But the, the, the interesting thing about the mustard seed, that it just doesn't grow into a bush for itself, but it benefits others. The seed is harvested, and they use the, har the, the, the seed for medicinal value. They use it for you know, uh, uh, seasoning and, and et cetera in, in, in cooking. But it's more for the outsiders, people that come and, and partake of it people that can benefit from it. Let me ask you this. Do people benefit from your life? Do they? When we look at the leaven, does your life, like leaven, get into a person or a group and have an influence on them. You that are married in here, does your life influence your wife? Does your life influence your husband? Does your life influence your children? Does it? Does your life influence your friends? You see, that's what we're here for. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto. Who makes up the kingdom of heaven? It's you and it's me. That's what heaven's all about. It's about you and me. It's about how we live our lives. I, I read a story and I and it was so good. This African lady 
went to a missions conference and people seeing that she was there from this little remote African nation. And, and it just, it, and this is a true story. And everybody wanted to help her. They said, can we send you with tracts and Bibles and, 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 and everything that we can to, and she goes, no, 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 I don't want any tracts. I don't want any Bibles. Just give us one Christian family that'll live the life in my village. That's what we need. Just a family that will live the life. That's how the kingdom of God grows. That's how it's grown. <laughs> Let's stand. Father, we thank you for your word here this morning. We thank you for the mustard seed parable and the leaven parable. And Lord, you, you know my heart, Lord. I'm not trying to force an interpretation here, Lord, that, 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 that's not right. I, I'm just being transparent, Lord. This is the way I see heaven. I just do. I see heaven being built by normal people like us. Just like the normal people the disciples were. And from the disciples, every missionary, every preacher, Martin Luther, everyone, Lord, the Wesleys, Hudson Taylor, Every one of them, Lord, up until us today, the 28th of May, 2023. That's what the kingdom of heaven is all about. Trying to bring people into our lives, but at the same try time, trying to influence people with the way we live our life. It's profound. It really is. But that's the way the kingdom of heaven resembles. So, Lord, take this message. Challenge us with it. Sometimes we feel insignificant. I, I, I know I have my time, my, my moments where I feel insignificant. I, I, I sure do. I, I'm guilty of that. I, I just am. But Lord, you take little things and you build upon it. One man came into this world, born in a manger, in a stable. And because of that man's obedience to the will of his father, the world has never been the same. And because of that man, we're all here this morning of one man. So Lord, take this message and help us to see that we are significant. We are. It starts out small. Small. Just small. In Jesus' name, amen.
The altar's open. You're welcome to come and pray.